Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm really excited to have my friend David O'Hara. Or if you see him online, he has a P. I don't know what P is for, Paul, Peter. <laughs> Patrick. Patrick. Um, yep. But there's another David O'Hara that's in Dribble that's David O'Hara. So you have to do David P. O'Hara. So I just want to make sure we all know that it's David Patrick O'Hara that we're talking about. <laughs> And I always think it's so fun because your last name is like, I think, a Scarlet O'Hara, you know, deep, deep south and um, gone with the wind stuff. So totally. (laughs) And Jason's calling you out right here from the get go. Frost Holmes saying you owe him a podcast, too. So we have definitely talked about that. Let's hook it up soon. All right. So we're going to get started. So David is actually on his vacation coming, uh, dialing in from Canada today. Yep. So I'm really <laughs> excited that he gave us some of his time during his vacation. So, um, David, you worked, um, I'm real excited to have you by the way. So sure. Yeah. I'm excited to kind of have to convince you a little bit in a car ride. Cause he was so nice. Such a gentleman walked me back to my car. And then I said, well, I'll just walk you. I'll just drive you back to the year hotel. And so then on that trip, I convinced him to <laughs> be on the podcast. Um, yep. So you give, I want people to give a little bit of background. So you worked for a while in at, right after school as a designer in Pensacola, Florida. Yep. And a, you had, there. okay. And how, yep. how long was that? That was about three years that I was at that agency. All right. So you're at the agency, but you had this kind of inner calling or you felt like you needed to go somewhere else and there's not much places you could go east so you had the call to go west and you went way west yeah very far west all right so you so you was it specifically you felt like the call to go to seattle uh yeah i think there was like a few things to that like uh growing up it's really strange but just like seattle was on my radar uh for some reason like i always thought of them as like a really cool place um you know, thought of it as as very forward thinking, a lot of cool things going on there. So uh, I found like a lot of my designs, some of the like dummy copy that I would put in there. It was always a Seattle address, uh, which is just kind of funny because I never like actually thought I would live there. Um, (laughs) But it was just something that I, you know, did. And then uh, when I met my wife, she was originally from Seattle area. And uh, so that was a big piece of us choosing Seattle is wanting to move back to be near her family. And uh, also the design community there is, is really thriving. And uh, there was a lot of opportunities there. So it was like, sweet, let's do it, you know. So you went to Seattle. So where did you meet your wife? Did you meet her in Pensacola? I did. She was at school, uh, in nursing school down there. At the same school you were at? Yep. No way. That's a long way away. <laughs> totally. So she was ready to go back. Okay. So, yep. so you just kind of want to paint the picture. So you had, and you told me a little bit more and you can decide if you want to share that with them or not, but you had this sure. urge to, to move and, but you had uh, really no connections besides your wife's family. And I don't think your wife's family's in design, right? No. <laughs> okay. So tell me about what into this, what went into the decision, not necessarily to go to Seattle, but actually to move, and then how you made relationships in the field that um, it made relationships within Seattle, the Seattle design community. 
Sure. Um, so, you know, I had been at that agency for a while, uh, three years, and I had learned so much. Like, I'm really, really grateful for that experience because, you know, straight out of school, like you, you've done all these certain design projects and everything, but then getting that real world experience uh, teaches you things like um, one time I accidentally flattened uh, an entire <gasps> website. It was a PSD. And um, I just finished it and I flattened it, saved it by accident. And I remember going into my boss and just being like, so <laughs> I flattened that PSD and saved that file. And this was before that there was PSD history and whatnot. That's and, what uh, Brian just wrote. Yeah, history. exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so he's like, well, you learned a really valuable lesson today that you always make a copy. <laughs> and so, you know, that it was lessons like that, that I learned uh, at that agency of like establishing good habits and a lot of the production process that really wasn't taught in school. Um, so that was really good. Uh, but after, you know, about three years, I felt like I'd really hit a ceiling. Um, I was doing much of the same thing over and over again. Um, and I felt like I had learned a ton, but I felt just restless. Like, mm, mm. I feel like I'm not being stretched. I'm not, uh, growing as much as I would like to be right now. Um, at the same time, you know, I had been married for about a year at that point and, you know, my wife is missing her family. And so we had been talking about like, Hey, like what, what if we moved to Seattle? Like, what would that look like? And so I had started looking on uh, job sites and uh, connecting with recruiters in Seattle. Um, and I just kept hearing from all of them like, hey, like we like your stuff. We think uh, we can find you some stuff, but you have to be up here um, for us to present you. And so it was kind of this barrier that I needed to be physically there. Um, I had also connected through a job site with a company and did some freelance work for them. And they were like, hey, if you move up, if you move up here, uh, we have a job opening up and, you know, we think you would be a good fit. Because and you so, had already done some work for them, right? Right. Yeah. So you'd I'd already, already proven yourself. Totally. I'd already done a couple projects. And so I was like, okay, you know, this is great. Um, so we were just kind of waffling on taking the plunge, right? Cause it's a scary change. It's a big move. Um, moving across the country that far costs a lot of money as well. And, uh, so then, uh, one, it was a Friday, uh, my boss comes into my office and he says, Hey, you know, can I talk with you for a minute? It was kind of one of those, you're like, Oh boy, what's going on? And then he closes the door and you're like, Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh, so he sits down and he's like, so I just wanted to come and talk with you. Um, you know, the agency had, this was like right around the time of the oil spill. Um, so the agency had hit some difficult time because a lot of our clients were tourism related and whatnot. Um, so it was definitely struggling. Um, and he was like, you know, we've made the decision that we have to let this other designer go on the team. And I was close with this other designer and, um, so he's like telling me this and I'm just like going, oh, and I could tell it was really hard for him. Like he really didn't want to do this. And um, he was a, literally about to walk into her office and let her go. And I was like, hey, can you wait till Monday? And he's like, sure, why? And I was, so I gave him a little bit of information about like, hey, you know, Emily and I 
uh, which is my wife, uh, we've been thinking about making this change and, uh, you know, we've been pondering it for a while. Let me go home and talk to Emily and then get back to you on Monday. And if, you know, if we make that decision, then you can let me go instead. And um, it was definitely like making that decision was scary. You know, uh, it was like a, a lot of unknowns there. But, you know, went home, talked to Emily, and we were both like, you know what, like, let's do it. We felt like this was an opportunity, though a scary opportunity. It was it was an opportunity for us to make a change and, you know, to kind of scratch that itch I had been feeling. Um, and so, you know, I went in Monday and told him to let me go instead. And so it was, that's, uh, that's a pretty clear sign when somebody is like, you know, sometimes I feel like that's the way God works. You know, he's like, yeah. hey, hey, I'm giving you this urge and then you got it. And then it's like, whoa, I'm, you're going to have to really make a decision because fall on the sword kind of right now, right. you know? Totally. <laughs> so it was definitely scary. Um, but, you know, fast forward, we got up here and uh, or up to Seattle and we moved into my wife's parents' basement. Um, so I'm here I am living with my in-laws. My wife had a connection at a, a doctor's office, so she was working. Um, and, and it was, I'm not gonna lie, like it was a really challenging time. Like, I think it was seven months that it took for me to get another creative job. Um, and I think a lot of that was several things, you know, it was learning the differences in the Seattle market. The Seattle market was very digital focused, um, which I had been doing a lot of, but I had also been doing a ton of branding and print. And so my portfolio was geared more that way. Um, and so I had to learn about that. I had to learn that the Seattle market was very much all about relationships and connections with people. And if you didn't have any of that, then you were kind of in a, a challenging place trying to get your foot in the door. Um, and so, you know, I'm like in the basement, uh, probably applying to like 20 to 30 places a, uh, a day, like literally just sending out resumes. Um, and it, it was difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like a glorified chauffeur for my wife, just taking her to work every day, um, feeling like I'm not contributing. And then on top of that, um, my in-laws have always had very traditional jobs. And so for them, like you go and knock on doors and, and talk to people face to face and they didn't see me doing that. And so I was getting a lot of pressure. Uh, her dad, I think sat me down and talked to me like three different times saying like, Hey, um, so you, you should be out there like talking to people. And, and I tried to like explain to him that, Oh, I'm, I'm applying to many places online, you know, but I think it was a concept that was hard for them to really grasp. And so I was getting, you know, pressure from that standpoint. And, and so it was hard um, at that time. Uh, and so I literally went to Target and uh, went and applied for a cartboy position uh, because I wanted to get, just get something, right. you know, going. And um, it looks like maybe the video froze. Yeah. Right, can but, you guys oh, there, yep, yep. I still okay, hear cool. you. Um, and so, okay, good. Um, so applied for this cartboy job and they're like, uh, Oh, you know, we're, we're not going to hire you cause you're too overqualified. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want a job. Like I'll go push carts. I'll go do whatever. Um, just to, you know, get some income going. And, uh, then, you know, I, I couldn't get anything like that. I went to Starbucks, you know, all the, the gamut. 
and ended up getting a job at a commissary at a military base. So I was a rep for like Colgate and Hormel and all these different brands, making sure they were profitable at the agency or at the, the commissary. So like a grocery store. Right. And um, it definitely wasn't, you know, what I had pictured happening. And, you know, that job that I had been working and doing some freelance work for, that position fell through and they didn't end up hiring for it. And so it kind of left me hanging. Right. So can you hear me okay? Yep. I can hear you now. Okay. So I would think that confidence, and I also think your father-in-law doesn't see who you're connecting with online because also talking would be what we were doing on Twitter and connecting with people. And so you really had to kind of reformat your whole portfolio as well as um, start these relationships and relationships ended up being key. And I actually think it's probably like that everywhere, David, to be honest. Uh, I think that's how it was in Denver Um, That's how it is in Atlanta. That's how it is here. I mean, it's just um, incestuous. I used to to think that that was a bad thing. I mean, I know incest incest is a bad thing, but it it being incestuous in a way is kind of a relief to some extent. It means that if people get to know you, they, they can see that you're a good designer. You don't have to be the best designer, but that you have good skills that you're trainable, that you have a good spirit and that you can come into an office and not have to be one, you know, the, the big man on campus. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some humility and I definitely think, but it definitely could really um, hurt on your confidence. So that was one of the things I loved when you and I were talking at Creative South as you were nice enough to walk me to my car. I said, cause you said, Oh, I haven't had just the best, you know, job experience, you know, I've had kind of a shaky, I had a shaky start, maybe, I mean, maybe not in Pensacola, but you had a shaky start once you got to um, Seattle, but then you lost your, you got a job and then, and then you lost that job. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and you were like, I'm not where I want to be. And I think, ah, that is exactly why I want you to be here because (laughs) I want, because you are at a good place now. And I feel like sometimes people just need to remember there are these valleys, but you get through them. And I thought, man, you have such a great attitude and you were still doing these um, side projects and you were working on all kinds of things and you just didn't seem to let it get you down. And I guess you were okay sharing that story, sharing that valley, sharing that desert story um, before, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a big, uh, part to understand that, you know, hey, there will be times when things are great and there will be times when they're not so great. Um, And, you know, allowing yourself the space to work within that. Um, And, you know, we can definitely, you know, talk through the experience, you know, uh, basically like catching up to the point where I was just laid off most recently. Um, You know, I was at uh, that cre- I finally got a creative job at an agency there in Seattle. I was there for about three years. Um, and, you know, we can talk a little bit about, you know, transitioning from visual design to uh, user experience design. But, you know, fast forward a few jobs. Uh, I was at a place that was super great, you know, a great startup uh, had been there about two and a half years, and then they had a layoff. And, um, you know, I was a part of that layoff. Uh, I was working on two different products at that uh, company. And um, it definitely was hard because at that point, you know, the further you progress in your career, like 
and the older you get, you know, you have like a mortgage now and you have, you know, some people might have kids that they're right. trying to take care of and you have a family. And um, so for me, it was like, uh, oh boy, like I, I kind of knew, had felt like something was going on, but um, at that point it's jumping back to those relationships that you've been building all along. And, you know, going back a ways, how I ended up getting into uh, the market is I started attending events. Uh, you know, I would look on meetup.com, find design events going on, um, you know, got involved in dribble. Um, so I would attend these events, meet people, um, try to, choose one or two people that I would meet and reconnect with them after that event. Um, and then, you know, I had somebody reach out to me on dribble, um, that was in the area and he worked with freelancers often and wanted to grab coffee. Um, so I went and met with him. Uh, we had never, we didn't know each other from Adam at that point, but now he's my business partner. We've done countless projects together um, so you never know, like somebody reaches out to you. Um, don't ignore that. Don't, um, don't feel like, Oh, like, you know, it's not going to be that important. It could be huge for you. Right. Like definitely make that connection. Um, another piece of it is recruiters. Uh, I've learned this. So like for designers, especially as you get more and more experience, recruiters can almost become annoying a little bit where, um, you know, they're constantly emailing you. Um, and I would just encourage people, like, don't uh, be rude to them. Um, make sure that you're cordial, um, you know, be straight into the point with them. Um, you know, I'm usually like, hey, thanks for reaching out to me. Uh, you know, I appreciate your interest. I'm really stoked in the role. I'm at right now but let's stay connected for the future um because it, it turned out like it, in this most recent job that i got as i came to the company and started talking to them the recruiter was like hey you probably don't remember me but you talked to me like two years ago and i was really um impacted by like how uh kind you let me down um by declining me um and she was like so when i saw your resume come through it was awesome I was like oh I can vouch for this guy he's great um just based on that small interaction we had wow um, so definitely like as recruiters contact you um keep those connections make the connection on LinkedIn um because you never know when you're thrust into a a situation where you're laid off um you can start reaching back out to those contacts um another thing that i do is i try to meet with a new designer every month um just for coffee or you know maybe hey let's meet up at this event um and then i try to reconnect with someone that i have already previously connected with um so i try to do that i don't always get it done in a month but that's something i try to do and it's it's really been great just to see like now a lot of the people that i've met are are spread across uh seattle and many different companies and if something happens to my job i can reach out to them and say hey like you know i'm starting to look looking for right. new if you know of anything let me know Right. And I think sometimes it's just letting people know, letting the people in your network know what you're looking for and, and that you're available or you're available for freelance or you're available for something. The other thing is just making sure that you, um, you know, I think with UX UI or not going from visual to 
more user experience, which is definitely maybe not as visual as what, I mean, I think UI is still visual, right? Mm -hmm. But UX sometimes is a lot more user empathy and things like that. Yeah, so, it's very behind the scenes sometimes. Right, and uh, talking about customers and what they would like. It's still maybe how you might interact with the people who are doing the interface, whatever. But um, you have, it's a different kind of people. And these companies that are popping up, sometimes they don't always make it. And so it, it's really, there, there are recruiters for designers but they're not as many sometimes. So I think in your field, having that, man, that is great advice about just being nice and letting them down nicely. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next question. Um, so you are, so you go and now you, you worked for Microsoft. You did a six month contract for them. I mean, you, you do some amazing, really good work. Um, but I know that one of the things that really um, stood out to me when we were talking last week, even um, it was like your sometimes our confidence in ourselves starts going. We start, mm, man, am I just a crappy designer or am I just this? Or do you know what I mean? And it's always that it's instead of it being the wrong time for this company or the wrong time for this company, we start thinking of it as me, you know, there's something wrong with me. And I think we do this when we're dating, you know, a lot of times. I mean, some people don't. Some people have a little too big a head in that respect. <laughs> but but um, you don't have that, or maybe you did, but it didn't come across. Like, you just kept going, and you had such like a, I mean, not cocky at all, very humble, but you just, you just kind of had that inner feeling that this just wasn't, it just wasn't the right time or it just wasn't the right place, but I'm not going to give up because some people will leave because it's too hard. It took seven months and it's too hard to do. So what kept you going? Because I think you had a lot of outside pressures coming in. Yeah, I think, you know, with the layoff uh, from Moz, which is the most recent one I've gone through, um, you know, the first thing was just, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason, realizing that, you know, God is in control of this situation. Um, and it's no surprise to him that, you know, I'm in this place. Uh, and so, you know, just having that as a foundation, I think was a big help to me um, in knowing that, okay, like, you know, God's got this, but now I have to get to work and, and start uh, making things happen and, and, and looking for opportunities and going after them. Um, so like I was talking about, you know, uh, turning to the relationships uh, mm. that you've built uh, along the way, believing in yourself is a big piece too. Um, believing that, Hey, I'm going to put my best work forward and not everybody, it's not going to fit in every, because right. all these different companies, it's like, there's a puzzle piece right here and they're looking for specific check marks on their list of things that they need. And, you know, with the work that you put forward, you, you have like, with some companies you have a, a day or maybe even just a couple hours interviewing with them. And if you don't quite, uh, represent all of those things in that time frame, they may pass on you. You may have been a great fit for the role. You may, they may have been impressed by you, but they might decline you. Um, you know, so after that, uh, that layoff, you know, I turned all my connections, started boom, 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 interview, interview, interview. Um, you know, I interviewed at Facebook, Google, Uber, uh, Curlate. I was declined by all of them. 
um, now I went through the process. So, and it's hard because that eats up time too. Like each of these companies, their process is like a, you know, three to four weeks long. And, and so you go through, uh, two, three, four interviews and, um, then they turn you down and you're like, man, I've just worked so hard, uh, to like get through that gamut that I just went through. And then I come out on the other end without a job, you know, and that, that's hard. But I think realizing that um, just because they didn't hire you then um, doesn't mean that um, you have no opportunity there um, and maintain those connections with the people that you talk to connect with them on LinkedIn, um, follow up with them and say, Hey, like what, what could I do uh, to improve next time? Um, you know, cause I, I got feedback from some of them that like, Hey, it just seemed like you were a bit rusty interviewing. Um, you know, others, it was like, Hey, we wanted to see a little bit more mobile uh, experience. And so don't be afraid to follow up and say, Hey, thanks so much for your time. Uh, you know, interviewing me, if you don't mind, it would be great you know, if you could share some feedback on um, what you think I should work on improving. Um, and, I think that's, and, that's great. Just one, reaching out, and two, being okay with not getting – being okay with receiving feedback because then, again, it leaves that good taste in, in their mouth with you because it may not have been a good fit right now, but it doesn't mean that it won't be a good fit in the future. So Anna wanted to know how, oh my goodness, how were all, how were all those interviews? How many interviews did they put you through? So on average – it wasn't just one interview. Sometimes it's multiple and you're meeting with multiple people on different teams, right? Totally. So it's usually two to three, sometimes four interviews. Um, so usually there's like a phone screen um, that they do with you and it's like 30 minutes. And it's usually the recruiter just making sure you fit the basic qualifications and connecting with you and making sure that you're, you fit their culture. Um, and then they usually have you meet um, like a hiring manager and talk with them. Sometimes that's just a phone call or a video conference. And then um, the next one is usually on site and you might meet with two, three, sometimes it's a full day, sometimes it's a half day. Um, and uh, usually those sessions are, uh, you have a portfolio presentation and then throughout the day you have one-on-ones with different key people. Um, and you usually go through a lot of whiteboarding exercises because um, they're trying to really understand how you think and um, your perspective on things. And so I think they, they go through that process to do all that. Um, but, you know, I would say like already uh, talking with Google, they've reached out to me again already um, like since then. And they, you know, the recruiter there was like, Hey, before I got a job with Google, I applied and was declined five times before I finally got into Google. Um, wow. So I think one of the things that is important, and a lot of us think, oh, well, Facebook doesn't like me, so I guess, you know, I'll just cross them off my list. It's like, no, like, if you want to work for them, be persistent and, you know, follow up with them. Then six months later, reapply again, connect with those people you had already connected with and uh, follow up with them and say, hey, like, you know, I'm interested in uh, taking a look at your team. Is there anywhere where I'd fit? 
And, um, you know, I've even had it to where uh, I connected with one of them and said, hey, um, yeah, someone on the Amazon Alexa team said, hey, let's go grab coffee, uh, if, if you don't mind, one morning before work. I'd like to just ask you some questions about your team. And he met me for coffee. We chatted about uh, his team and the things that he was looking for uh, in a, a team member. So. I think sometimes it's just about knowing, you know, getting to know them on a personal level instead of, I mean, you're definitely talking about work stuff, but it's like, Mm -hmm. what's important to them? Not that you're trying to like take notes and be manipulate yourself to be that, but you also could get an idea of if it's not really a good fit. And then you also get an idea as, you know what, you might know somebody who really would fit. It's just about being friends with people, not necessarily like, networking. I kind of hate that word networking, but I, there's no other way to kind of talk about it, but I really think you need to take it. There's like the, the creepy car salesman kind of <laughs> networking. And then there's yeah. the creative South kind of networking, right. And where you're, you're friends and you actually talk about real things and, and you go grab coffee, not just to get a job, but you do it right. But it's, it's a continuous process that you're hopefully meeting with these people at other events and you're seeing mm-hmm. them and then but you've had these real conversations. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's being transparent too. You know, it's easy when you go into an interview to try to put up this facade of like, here's what I'm trying to sell you. Right. Right. Um, And, and it's so hard to kind of balance that. Right. But you want to try to show that you're a human and that um, bring out some of your personality um, in that as well. So like connecting with those people, I think, um, on a more personal level is, is a really great tool. So you have an amazing story I asked because a lot of designers are not extroverted and you're pretty extroverted. Um, but so I asked you, I was like, um, how or have you always been like this? Have you always, is it always been easy to talk to people? Cause I think a lot of us have to practice that. I just talked to myself right. in the mirror, you know, when I was a kid, like anyway, I still do even to be honest. That probably makes me seem crazy, but, um, or what, what made you come out of your comfort zone? Will you tell your high school story? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I definitely don't see myself as extroverted. Um, I, I probably come off that way, uh, to some people, but I think, you know, being in crowds or connecting with people, it exhausts me. Like, I, you know, I'm exhausted afterwards and it's, you know, even doing something like this, it's not a hundred percent comfortable, you know, it's scary, right. To put yourself out there and to let people see all uh, the bumps and edges that aren't perfect about you. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's kind of getting to a place where you're okay with um, people seeing the imperfections uh, about you and that's hard <laughs> it's it's definitely not easy um and and it's a process that even now like it's still you know hard to do um but I would say yeah back back in high school I was probably like a, many on the call here today I was that um kind of art nerd uh at school I was always in the art lab or in the computer lab and so I wasn't you know wasn't very outgoing or popular necessarily. Um, I wrestled in high school. And I think one thing that was really helpful to me in, in helping me become the way I am today was, was that wrestling experience because um, you, it's just you an opponent on the mat in front of a crowd. And um, 
it's all up to you. It's not, oh, you can't blame it on Johnny who didn't do his part on the team. You know, if you lose, it's on you. Um, And I think my first two to three years, I lost almost every match. Um, (laughs) And that was humiliating. Like I literally would have guys come out there and just like play with me on the mat until they finally decided they were going to pin me. And uh, it, it was, it was really humiliating. Well, how did um, you not give up? Because that's again, another one of your like superpowers is that your ability to not give up, you weren't going to give up and you didn't give up. You know what I yeah, mean? I think, Cause three years is a long time. To just keep losing. Like your parents aren't like David, buddy, maybe this isn't the sport <laughs> for you. Right. Totally. You know, I think at that point, um, I really wanted to do well at wrestling. Um, and, you know, I, I knew that if I worked hard at this, I could get better. Um, and, and it's one of those things where it doesn't happen overnight. It, it's no. the same thing, you know, when I made the change from a visual designer to a UX designer, it was hard. Like I had made it up to a senior visual designer level. Uh, and then I had to start again at the bottom um, and and work my way back up. And it took four to five years to get back up to that senior level again. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard and you got to work hard at it. And, you know, eventually, you know, my last three years of wrestling, um, you know, I was winning a lot. My last uh, year I was undefeated until my last tournament. And uh. then I lost my last three matches, which really sucked. Because they were the same guy. (laughs) But yeah, it was just one of those really challenging things. But um, yeah, and and I think, you know, it also helped me in that situation to, even though I was undefeated, like it was definitely an opportunity for me to be super proud and, you know, of that. But then when I lost, I I was like, hey, you know, he beat me. Good job. Um, And, you know, being able to uh, take a loss and, and learn from it and move forward. Well, and that's uh, like when somebody gets the job and you don't, that's exactly right. it. Like, well, yeah. they must've been a better wrestler, you know? Yeah. I think also just looking at the situation and saying, what, what can I learn from this, this mistake, this failure? Um, and then being better the next time because of it. Um, I think also in addition to wrestling, uh, my last year of high school, somehow I ended up being class president. (laughs) Like it was, it was like kind of weird, but it just, it worked out to where there, everybody was voting and the guy who was voted class president took a different position and I was the second most voted for. And so then I was class president. And so I had to get up and speak in front of people and organize things and, um, I had to give the announcements to the entire school every morning and I was petrified, like absolutely petrified. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I had to learn to get over my nerves and, and cope with that and, and be able to do that. And then at the end of the year, I had to give a speech in front of 1500 people. And believe me, I was really scared. <laughs> but somehow, you know, I, I managed to like, it, a lot of it's mental, right? It's it's all in your head. And and so working through that and learning to coach yourself through like, okay, like you're just going to go out there and you're going to do your best and leave it on the mat is what we always said in wrestling, you know? So um, kind of no matter what you're going to do, go out, do your best and leave it on the mat. 
So let's talk a little bit about, I love that. I love, I love that you, that it was this practice every day and you didn't want to do it, but you did it. And you knew that there was an end, but you did it. And I bet you got better by the end of it. And now, you know, you could give a talk to 1500 people, but you also, you know what I mean? Like, that's really encouraging that you just didn't give up. Like you're a beaver. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I have a thing with beavers. I'll have remember to give you some stickers at Creative South. Anyway, I'll tell you about the beaver later. They know about the beaver. So let's talk about going from a visual designer to UX designer. And, and let's talk about that, like stepping back because that's like, hey, I just moved here. I make this. I think I should make this. But now you're back with these like newbies. And mm -hmm. that can be kind of a killer to your con uh, pride, which pride's not a great thing anyway. I mean, it can be good, right? Confidence is good, but pride maybe not the best. Um, but how did, I mean, because you had to take a cut somewhat financially, right? Or is it just because um, you're you know, in Seattle, everything's more expensive? Yeah, I think there's definitely a gap in what uh, companies pay visual design versus uh, user experience design. And, and I think a lot of that might be centered around just like how much they end up touching within uh, whatever product that they're um, selling or, or whatnot within the company. And so um, I didn't end up taking a pay cut whenever I did that. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't, you know, it wasn't at the level that you would, like you see a job position posted and you see like the amount that, you know, it, it says it pays. It definitely wasn't what the going rate was, you know, because you have to start at the bottom and, right. and you have to be okay with that. But if you had been a senior designer, a visual designer in Seattle, more than likely it would have been a pay cut to go back to UX, maybe? Um, you know, I would think if it was at an agency, uh, a creative agency again, um, it would have been. But my move was going from a creative agency to Microsoft. Microsoft pays probably the best um, or up there with the best in Seattle, mm -hmm. as far as like there's probably Amazon, Microsoft, um, and, and they uh, pay very competitively. So I think for, for my situation, it ended up not being a pay bump or a pay decrease, but it, had I stayed in the creative, um, agency realm, I think it probably would have been. So what kind of things did you have to give up to start over? Because one, there's like, I know everything that I was supposed to do. It was easy and you could coast to some extent, but that was what you didn't really like. You were like, Hey, I'm not being challenged. So you had, so that's like a plus, but then what other things did you have to give up? Cause I think there are some people maybe in the chat here who are thinking about, yeah, you know what, maybe I want to do this user experience thing, or maybe I want to go from being a print designer to a web designer. Do you know what I mean? And there are some things that you give up. So what, what were some of those? Yeah, I think, you know, as a senior designer, you're, you're leading other designers, uh, on a project. So you're, you're kind of like up there in this role where you're orchestrating things and, and you have a lot of general knowledge that you've built up, mm -hmm. um, that you're able to, um, you know, give insight to them and insight into the project. And a lot of times, at least my experience was, I was very client facing. So you're constantly, you know, with the customers. Um, but then moving to, 
the bottom of, of the ring again, you're brand new. Like you don't have all that knowledge. And so you basically turn yourself into a sponge and um, try to soak up as much as you can. Um, making that move from the creative agency to Microsoft was very scary. Um, and I'll just like camp on that for a second. Um, as I've like looked back in, in, and talked about some of this, I realized that like um, a lot of these points in my life and career have been really scary changes. Um, and it's easy when something is scary to say, nope, like I, I would rather be comfortable. I'm not going yeah. to do that. I'm not going to take that risk. But um, I would just say if something scares you and it aligns with your beliefs, uh, it aligns with uh, where you want to head with your career or your life, then do it. Um, because every time, like, yeah, it was really scary and the process might have been really hard, but at the end of the day, I've been so happy that I have put myself out there, stretched myself, made myself grow, um, and and done those scary things. Uh, I mean, it's led me to do other ridiculous things like jumping out of airplanes and, and things like that where, you know, I'm not, I promise I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but I, I think I've come to this place where I like to push myself to do things that scare me. Um, and maybe that makes you feel like you're living more. Um, but so that change from the creative agency to Microsoft, uh, I, I remember the first day I was going in um, talking to my wife and um, being like, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to go in there my first day and they're going to realize that I'm a fraud, that I'm not a UX designer at all. And they're going to send me home. <laughs> um, you know, and so I just remember that scary feeling and just remember being like, this is Microsoft, like the Microsoft and, and like, how am I going to contribute on the level of these people? Cause I put them all on a pedestal, right? Like mm. they must be amazing and, and all this. Um, and what I've come to learn, like through, you know, talking with companies like Facebook, Microsoft, uh, Airbnb, uh, name them all. Right. Um, they're all people just like you and me right. and they all, um, are figuring it out just like you and me. Um, and they're all at just different stages of that. Right. And, and so you have to have confidence that, Hey, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to learn and soak all this up. And, um, and then I'm going to, you know, up my level of contribution. Uh, and so going in, it was a great experience at Microsoft, uh, worked as part of their office labs team. Uh, so the people who were working on, um, you know, the like Microsoft Word and, and uh, PowerPoint and all that. And so worked with that team, learned a ton while I was there, and then had an opportunity to go to another company um, at, like that was a, a UI visual designer position at, at Microsoft. So it was a good like transition position to a UX design role um, because it was kind of doing an in-between where I was still doing some visual design. I was also doing UI design and, and tinkering in UX and being involved in that process in the team. Then moving to the other company, I was able to come in and, um, and lead two product positions which were uh, really great 
That's cool. So Brian has a question. Brian White, always good for good questions. Do you ever see yourself running your own design studio in the future, or are you looking to stay in the job market for the long term? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I ran a small design shop in Seattle for a few years. Um, it was, you know, super small. We were just working with small uh, customers. So restaurants, a lot of coffee shops, um, people building apps. Uh, we had three person team. And uh, so we had a developer, a motion designer and me. Um, and we we did all of all of that. It, it was, I learned a ton from the experience and, and I did this in addition to a full-time job as well, which was really hard because it was basically like do your job all day and then come home and do your agency work all day or all night and then go to sleep and get up and do it again. Um, and so that, that was definitely challenging. Um, and I found what I was not good at was uh, charging enough. I will always undercut myself um, just because I wanted to get the project. And, and it's definitely that, that balance that you have to be able to strike there um, of, of charging what your value is um, right. and charging what can help you make a living. Um, and so after like two or three years of, of doing that on the side, we decided to transition out of that just because it was, it was a little more, than um than we felt was gonna really take off and be able to do it full time um and and so to answer brian's question i i really like um working within the product space and so i think if i were to do my own thing it would be a product um versus a creative services agency and um so we'll see you know what the future holds for that all right so um, we have about 15 minutes left, so uh, I want to just make sure we um, – so when you were, at, you were at Microsoft, you were doing UI work, right? Mm -hmm. So then transitioning, you started doing little projects. Is that kind of um, – that were – part of it would be UX. And so – because I think a lot of people think of those as synonymous. So sometimes at some companies, you, a, you, you are a UX, UI designer, right? Yep. You're doing both. So really you've even filtered even further down. So you're doing one of the things I was like, well, send me some stuff. And you're like, well, most of the stuff's not visual anymore. And so I just kind of want, I'm going to share my screen real quick and then pull up some stuff. Cause I just want, I like for people to be able to see what um, you're uh, doing. So then, cause people always say in the comments, hey, I wish we could see some of the stuff. So this sure. is his website. So it's davidpohara.com. And you have had, so one is product designer, entrepreneur, and user experience. And so you have had a good many kind of entrepreneurial ventures. So Moz was one of the companies that you worked for, correct? Yep, that's correct. And what kind of stuff were you doing for them? So that was the company I went to after Microsoft. And uh, I was working on a new product for them uh, called a Content Manager tool mm -hmm. and um, so that was you know going through and understanding uh, the user needs uh, mm -hmm. that were in the the field um, we did a lot of research so you know basically getting on a call like this with uh, the people that we were building the tool towards and uh, getting input from them understanding what their everyday process is like and um, so that helped inform what we were building 
because understanding like, oh, okay, they do this and they do this and they use this tool and this piece is a big pain point for them. And so coming back to that, helping to build a tool that will make their workflow um, better in the long run uh, was one of the things that I was working on. Um, there was another product that was centered around Twitter analytics. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one that I worked on there as well. Um, but it, it was centered around content on someone's site, understanding um, how that content was performing and starting to give insights into here's the things you should be doing to make your uh, content perform better for right. you. Right. And so this, you did the branding, plus you were also doing what the web looked like. So you were using kind of all of your um, skills, which at smaller companies, you would probably still have some of those. I'm just trying to kind of paint the picture for people who are thinking, um, because I don't know how big the company you work for right now, but they do tasers, right? Yeah. So the company I work for now is called Axon and uh, they do taser uh, weapons, the hardware, um, and they also do the body cams. Uh, mm-hmm. I work on the software um, for that. Um, but yeah, like the project you were showing there uh, was VRV. That was a, a freelance project that I did for a company and they didn't end up using it at the end. Um, but that uh, was, Boogers. was I a can't project. Get you back. Where, Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Okay, now I've got it. Where they literally came to me and was like, we want to do RVs for... Um, people just like Airbnb does. And they were like, we want our site to look just like Airbnb. And I'm like, well, you know, the experience might be different for people, you know, renting RVs than, you know, renting a home. There might be some similarities and whatnot. And so I kept trying to push them to do some research for it. Right. And at the end of the day, they're like, nope, we want Airbnb. Like, exactly. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, okay. Uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I had to, you know, create what they were wanting. And I, I tried to kind of push them toward a, a different experience as much as I could. But um, to me, this project is very similar to Airbnb. It's more of showing off the branding. But in in a way, maybe that helped you get some interviews because, right? So if you, if, or it might help you in, in some future yeah. if you ever, right? It's funny because I ended up interviewing with Airbnb and um, it it was a point of like, when they reached out to me, I was like, oh dear, like they're going to look at that and be like, <laughs> this is basically just our site. And um, so it was funny when I went and talked with them, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, I explained exactly what I just said and that this client wanted that. And, and they were like, oh yeah, we get it. Like, you know, and they like different aspects of it and, and everything. So, right. So, um, you already kind of talked about feeling like a poser or like you were going to be found out at Microsoft. Did that happen again anywhere else? Because I think sometimes when we go to a new job, it can be, it can be difficult. And one of the reasons you stayed at Axion, A-X-I-O-N, right? Uh, it's A-X-O-N. A-X-O-N. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Don't put an I in Axon, I guess. Um yeah. Oh, um, Derek wants to know where that dope hat is from. Oh, um, I think I got this when I was traveling in California. So RV, like? Uh, RVCA, yep, is the brand. Um, And it was like at a surf shop, I think. Oh, cool. (laughs) Glad you like it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Derek's been to Creative South too. He lives in Boulder. Cool. All right. So um when when you so you, you it was the the Moz job that you lost, they had to they they were yep. going under or something. Yeah, they were they, downsizing, right? They cut twenty eight percent of their workforce. So they they cut like a, almost our whole design team uh, was was cut, and so that's that's when I started interviewing at all those places. Um, you know, based on connections that I had already made, started reaching out to them um, and and connecting with some of those different companies. So you had already been doing the coffee thing. It wasn't like this was new. So now you right. were just putting this in place, and this wasn't like your back door. I'm going to always do this and always have an ulterior motive. It was that you were really trying to make new friends and, and expand your network. But you were also doing it on LinkedIn. You were mm -hmm. doing, I was just trying to give some, some hints because I think that this is one of those awesome things that you, you did have faith that you, you would get through this. Just like mm -hmm. you staying um, on the mat, like keeping going and with wrestling, you knew you could get better. And that maybe it wasn't a right fit. And I just think, man, that is such a piece that you had that. And one of the things you did, you have 50 states, right? So 50 states, I'm going to pull that up and hopefully I can pull it up pretty quickly. Um, but tell, so, so you volunteered for me at Creative South and you, um, man, you know, when it, I see it underneath and it just won't let me like click it, um, <laughs> It keeps going away. That's what it was. So you uh, were a volunteer and we do this kind of, we do a Zoom thing with all the volunteers. So they, not that, I mean, I have different days. So you might not be volunteering with the actual people, but I get to see you, you get to see me, and then you guys get to meet each other. And so one of the things, one of my students was going to be volunteering and she had this amazing painting behind her that she was working on. And then we used you as an example because you were, I said, Oh, we'll tell them what you do. And so this is one of the years that 50 States was just kind of coming out. So tell people what 50 state is 50 States is kind of like you did that day when I was having you meet my student and I'm going to sure. pull it up. Um, so 50 States is uh, what it, what it probably sounds like. It's uh, you know, apparel centered around uh, the States. It's a community of designers that uh, submit designs and, you know, we help them produce and promote those shirts. And uh, it's, it's been kind of a passion project of mine. Um, and I also work with a, a seven team uh, developer team here in Seattle as my business partners. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I have always loved t-shirt design. Um, and uh, I, I was traveling and all of the, like, I, I think I went to California and I wanted to get a shirt for, uh, just to kind of remember my trip by and all of the shirts were horrible. And I was like, wait, this is California. It's like the most hip place on earth supposedly. <laughs> and, um, there's like no cool shirts for it. And, uh, so I was disappointed by that. And literally on the, plane flight back from California I was like what if there was this place you could go to and get like cool apparel for any state that you went to and visited so kind of this like patriotic type minded thing um you know every person has a deep sense of place and meaning to that place for them whether that's home to them whether it's a place they love mm -hmm. um and so that was something that I really wanted to highlight 
And uh, so going to, you know, several designers and talking to them about the idea, they thought it was cool. And, and so it kind of was born from there. Um, and it's been going for about two to three years now. Uh, and we've just been learning along the way. Uh, definitely haven't done everything um, perfect, you know, I, and the initial hesitation uh, that I had when you asked me to come on is I was like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like 50 States is in the right place uh, to really highlight right now. Like it, I was in, you know, transitioning. I had just lost that job and, you know, I wasn't able to give 50 States the attention that I needed to give it. And, and it was really discouraging to me at that point. And so you're like, oh, you should come talk about it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm <laughs> in the right place for that. Um, but yeah, and, and so we literally just launched uh, the website like last week because um, we redid the site. Um, and so it's it's definitely not perfect right now. I'm still working on it literally while I'm up here in Canada trying to get artists added to the pages and different things. But um, we've moved from a pre-order model to an on-demand model so you can order a shirt and it gets shipped to you now uh, which has been a ton of work going into that but we're super stoked moving forward um, we've also changed our name to uh, 50 states supply um, so we've got some cool things coming down the line that will be uh, more than just apparel minded um, really highlighting uh, local makers of mm. things and connecting with them helping them promote their products so I have a bunch of your shirts because I love them and I love, so Brian White, that was the Kansas shirt. That's one of my favorite shirts. Amy also made the Georgia shirt. Um, I think it's Georgia on my mind. And I don't know if Amy made that North State one, but it I don't know who yeah, made the North two State. Two of them she did. Yeah, so the North Carolina North State one? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, and I pulled that one up so you guys got to see that one. And then um, – and then Casey Brabs did the Florida shirt. Um, Kirsten Bencombo, ben I don't know how to ben say her Combo. last name, but she's awesome. And she brings her dog to Creative South. She has a great story. I'm hoping she'll be on if I can get her to uh, come on. And then, um, but they are. It's, so it's, again, it's people you know or people who are really proud of their state or a place that they visited. Vaughn has his Oregon shirt and um, – Regime just said, David Love, 50 States, I'm going to be working on some designs. And I just, I just, yeah, Anna said both are US, UCF grads. And I think um, Kirsten and uh, Casey. And I just think it gives, they're really good. They're really good quality shirts, first of all. And they're, they're really soft. And they also have women's sizes. So I appreciate that, that it's not that I have to buy a, a tent you know, <laughs> yeah. but one thing I loved was I had told the student, I said, did you think that David was really bragging when he was talking about 50 states? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, then that people want to be on board with you. They want to get excited about your projects, too. And I feel like you've done really well with getting people on board and not being super prideful and um, also like letting them be a part of it because this really is a community kind of thing. So I love that part. And, and I love that it's struggling, but it's just like what you said about Microsoft. They're just a little bit ahead on that uh, same 
scale that we're all on. It's the same road. We don't all know everything we're doing and we're figuring out as we go. So I feel like that those are some of the things that we need to remember, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, it's definitely been a process and, and it's one of those things where you, you push it forward a little bit at a time and, and trying to turn it around and make it more about the community because like, I'm just the guy behind the scenes trying to make it all work and all the orchestrating all the, you know, um, what's the word for that? All the, you know, printing and getting right. the shirts brought in and, um, I forget logistics. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. I'm just the guy doing the logistics. You know, at the end of the day, these are designers that do amazing work and they're contributing. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about it. Um, you know, I would say like, as far as talking about your work in front of people and not feeling like you're bragging, um, you know, one of the biggest things is, is thinking about it as, as how your experiences can help others. And when you think of it from that lens, you're not focused on like making yourself look, you know, look good. Um, you're more focused on what can I share that will help other people inspire them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another piece of that is you've got to tell the good, the bad and the ugly all together, right? Like you can't just be like, Oh yeah, I'm all buttoned up. You know, everything's perfect. I never do any bad work. Right. <laughs> you know, um, you've got to tell the downs with the ups. And I think that helps also uh, humanize you more and make you realize like, Hey, like, you know, he, he may have done some cool stuff, but he's also, you know, for every one thing he did that was awesome. There were like five or six things he did that were horrible or that failed, you know, it didn't go well. And that's one of the things that we haven't talked about on here uh, just time-wise, but you know, there's been, I don't, I forget the number, like four or five different companies that I've tried to make happen and failed. Uh, And there's, you know, there's a lot of disappointment there. It's hardship, but the biggest thing is learning from those failures and then moving forward and saying, okay, what can I do now based on the things that I've learned? I I totally agree. And I, I do think those failures, I think you talking about those failures or getting let go or all these things. And, and just that you didn't give up is somebody needs to know that it didn't all just go smoothly. And I feel like it's a, it's hope, right? We're, we're giving people hope that even when something bad happens, or if something fails, like you had another t-shirt company, right? Yep. Uh, fun is awesome. It was called. Yeah. Fun is awesome. And then you ended up having a whole bunch of extra t-shirts in your garage. Yeah. Right? I still have some in my closet <laughs> at home if, if any of you want any. <laughs> so, um, so Maria said it's the power of grit. It is that determination not to, and it's about focus. Like you, you have this bigger thing. You think this will be awesome, but maybe you didn't know your customers. Well now, and then you did 50 states. So there was all, it was all hundred percent guaranteed, right? Because it, it was pre-order. And now you've moved past that because you see, you can't just go from one side to the other. There's is somewhere nice in the middle that you kind of yep. have to find. And it's been learning all of those little intricacies all along to, to really understand it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up all your vacations, but David, thank you so much. So I'm going to share a bunch of different ways for people to get in contact with you. So if you want to check out 50 States and buy one of those awesome shirts, you can go to 50, like five, zero states supply.com. And they're all in the chat. I'm going to put them all in the chat. You can find David 
at davidpohara.com in the chat. Um, you can get to dribble, like I mentioned. I'm going to do dribble, tritter, 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 uh, Twitter, and uh, Facebook and Instagram all on the same. And that's just David P. O'Hara. So um, in on Instagram, David P. O'Hara. On Twitter, David P. O'Hara. Same thing on Dribble and Facebook. Um, and then LinkedIn, guess what it is, people? It's David P. O'Hara. But you just got to remember that Patrick because there's that other David O'Hara. So don't, don't, I mean, you could click on that guy too. He's probably great. But he's probably not cool this. <laughs> he, do you know him? I don't, but he sounds like he has a cool name. Uh, he's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you can always email. I always like it when people give emails, but I'm going to go ahead and share your email. Oh, Nancy had a question. Her sure. niece works at, oh, let me tell you your email first real quick. David at davidpohara.com. If you want to ask questions or talk about anything with 50 states, or if you want one of those fun is awesome shirts, right? They can email yeah, you. Absolutely. They can. <laughs> so Nancy had a question because her um, niece works at Airbnb. Hannah Hughes, I think. And I'm just going oh, cool. from mem Did you interview with Hannah? Uh, I interviewed with about eight people there. So their names probably run together a bit for me, but uh, I'll have to look her up. Hannah, what Hughes. I'm going to write it down. Hannah. Okay. Um, it's possible because uh, they have like, over a hundred designers uh, from what I understand. And to me, I was like, wow, that is a huge, uh, huge like group of designers and how they even organize that. It's pretty incredible. Like uh, definitely the Airbnb team impresses me a lot. So. Yeah. She's in UX management. She says, okay, cool. I've, I interviewed with two of their UX managers and then two more joined for my portfolio review. So I'll have to look it up and see Hannah Hughes. Yeah, Hannah Hughes. Anyway, so um, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. I always find it encouraging, and I love that you um, are willing to share. And I just like you. You're so nice. <laughs> so oh, thanks, Dan. I <laughs> I really enjoyed chatting with you, and I'm honored that you wanted to have me on the show. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so one you can always email me at Diane at rechargingyou.com. That's the best way to get to me. But then you can always follow me on Twitter and um, Instagram at Design Recharge. And if you have an idea for the show or you have somebody you just really want to come on, please send me an email about it. Also, I would love if you give us a rating on iTunes. I would love that tremendously. And um, just remember, I'm doing the recruiting creatives. I kind of had to put it on. I was going to really start it, like really push it September 1st. But I really had some other stuff going on, like school at school, so I couldn't really do it. So I'm hoping November 1st is really going to be when I'm starting to get back with people, which really sounds like I don't have my stuff together. But maybe I don't. Maybe that's my valley, and I'm just trying to do it. So, um, and just, uh, I just thank you guys for coming every week, and I really appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you one thing once we get off school screen. So hold on for that. Hang on. Let me hit stop.